your views, your news, your Limerick Today with Gillian Devlin in for Joe Nash on Live 95. Now, what happens if you or a family member becomes ill and is unable to make decisions around financial affairs? IFAC are advising in particular that farmers put in place an enduring power of attorney. And we're joined this morning by Lorraine Donoghue, Head of HR and Legal at IFAC, and also uh, who represents a team of accountants and financial advisors providing specialist advice to farming, food and agribusiness community. And we also have... Uh, Sean Lavery of the IFA with us in the studio as well this morning. Good morning to you, Sean. Um, Sean, if if I can start with you, first of all, you have an event coming up not too far away. Yeah, um, absolutely. Thanks very much for having me on this morning. Um, On the 20th of April, on Wednesday the 20th of April, IFA are organising a... um, a special uh, regional farm succession and inheritance meeting in the Fairgrove, Fairgrove Hotel in Mitchellstown at 8pm. And basically, um, as you've kind of said in your introduction there, farmers uh, are owners of significant assets and it is essential for every farmer to have a farm succession plan in place. There are complex legal and taxation rules around that and farmers need to be aware of it. Um, if planned for, they can be managed easily, but if they're not planned for, they can leave a right mess behind. So it's for farming families who are, um, I, I suppose, thinking of succession and farm plan, planning and inheritance. Uh, this is an essential seminar in Mitchellstown on that night to go through all of the of the aspects of it. Like we have a, a, a good set, a set of speakers on available on the night. We have Claire O'Keefe from Succession Planning and they provide a lot of... Um, mediation and uh, facilities for farm families, you know, between the generations to work out uh, to work out for farm families mm. how best to do it. We also have Gordon Peppert of Chagask, you know, to understand the, say, the commercial side of it. Uh, Martin Clark of IFAC again, you know, providing some specialist taxation and financial advice in it. And finally then Ashling Meehan, who's a solicitor who specialises in, in agribusinesses and very familiar with all aspects of farming, farm transfers and farm farm inheritance. Lorraine Donoghue, as I said, is Head of HR and Legal at IFAC, is with us as well. Lorraine, how important are meetings like the one that Sean has told us about? Very, very important. Um, What we're finding is sometimes what happens is, you know, we could have somebody, maybe um, a daughter or son come into the office and they might say, um, look, mum or dad, they're home, um, they're suffering from dementia, and we're going to look after their affairs. And we've decided amongst ourselves that that's the case. But unfortunately, the way it works is, if unless they have a formal arrangement in place, like an enduring power of attorney, we are, our hands are tied and we're not able to act for that person. And that will be across all professional services, or even in, it could affect banking in terms of they might not be able to access a bank account. So what we're saying is, to make sure that you get this enduring power of attorney in place, uh, that you make a part of your succession plan. And what happens is that this document can lay dormant until such a time as you need it. Now, there's new rules coming in on this now as well from the 26th of April, and it essentially reforms um, it reforms um, the procedure and the process around it. So it's called the Assisted Decision-Making Capacity Amendment Act 2022. And this will essentially change the process all around it. And 
obviously it's it's supposed to improve it and make it easier for make people it in much easier. I mean, if, if we look at it in, in a two-step process, I mean, you have, first of all, the creation of it. Um, and look, you should take it. There's a holistic approach really to it because you have your medical practitioner. You also have um, your solicitor. You have the family involved and whoever you appoint to be the attorney. So that's the person that you give the authority to. And if you think about it, you really need to consider who is this person going to be. So this person should really be somebody you you can trust, somebody that you can depend on, somebody that you know will fulfil your wishes, even though it's documented. And so a lot of consideration has to go into that. And And should that be a family member? It doesn't necessarily have to be. And sometimes it works out better if it's a friend, because they're one step removed from family, we'll say, in the sense that the family have a lot going on if they, if, if they have to look after the medical situation and see but if apart somebody from is that, okay. Lorraine, family usually have a stake. I mean, the, exactly. you know, yeah. There, yeah. there might be some expectations as to how inheritance might fall. When I say might, there very often is. Um, people will have an idea of what way inheritance should fall. And so is it is it advisable to, to stay away from family when it comes to power of attorney on that basis? Well, not necessarily. I mean, a lot of the time it probably is a family member. I mean, if it's a, a friend, it would have to be somebody, a very close friend. There's a lot of responsibility would be an, an attorney and the person would also have to be comfortable with that position. Um, you know, they, they could look after your personal affairs, how, how you're looked after on a personal level. They can also look after your financial and property if that's the way you want the attorney to say things. They can also just have a general, a general remit. So a lot of thought has to go into it and the legislation itself, while complex, a solicitor will be able to guide you through it quite easily. And once it's there, I mean, the peace of mind that brings to a family, it brings to yourself. You know these, these conflicts won't occur within the family because of the decisions have already been made. Um, and the people involved will also get a copy of the attorney because they, ha- they have to be notified of it. Um, so everybody is aware of what's happening. Now, a significant change as well is that you can also execute what's known as an advanced healthcare directive. Um, so at the same time as doing a power of attorney, it would be a good idea to execute the advanced healthcare directive. And that would give an indication to your medical practitioners or if you're in the hospital, um, what way you want your care to be delivered or not delivered. So this is great because it gives a legal basis for it. Um, and the other thing is, I mean, there's a, a, a misunderstanding, I suppose, generally in public, that people think that the next of kin automatically have the right um, to act as your attorney, but they don't unless there's a formal arrangement in place. So we would often see that um, people just presume that there's no issue around it because maybe a parent has indicated at some stage that you will be the person that will look after my financial affairs and I want you to look after my medical. But that's not the case. If you show up and you speak to your solicitor and you try to give instructions or to your accountant um, or, or even to, to the doctor, you can be, it can be, become very difficult very quick for you to, to do that. Um, so our advice is when you're sitting down and you're, you're doing your succession plan, make sure that this is part of it and get your will in place. And, you know, it doesn't just affect um, elderly people. That's another misconception, I suppose. You know, this can affect anybody. Anybody can lose mental capacity at any stage for whatever reason. Um, and with the new act coming in, the benefits are as well that there's um, decision-making agreements which will take a tiered effect 
Um, so while you mightn't have capacity maybe to look after your financial affairs, you may very well be able to look after your affairs um, for your health or your personal affairs. So it's very good this, to see this reform taking place and it'll, it'll hopefully benefit um, vulnerable people going forward. Sean, I think it's similar though to, to making a will in that people put it off for the very same reasons. They assume that's not something I need to deal with now. I'm fit and healthy. I'm in my 40s or 50s or whatever. I'm going to live for, for, for whatever time. And they also think, I, I mean, I know myself personally, when you start making these sort of plans, it makes you start to worry about stuff you're thinking yeah. about. Like, yes. Yeah, so in your experience, do many people put it off for the wrong reasons? Absolutely. Like I, I, I'm aware of a, of a, of a situation recently where a um, a person, I suppose, in his seventies or eighties, um, suddenly, you know, he became mentally incapacitated over a very short period of time, and it's left a right mess for his family behind. You know, so uh, you know, p- people need to be at least putting together the bones of a succession plan. Uh, as early as possible, it can be modified. You know, pe- people need to need to be thinking, and they need to be working with their families, so that the expectations are 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 out there at an early stage. And it's a bit like uh, we were talking there about the next of kin. If I, as a competent individual, appoint someone as my power of attorney, and it is not my next of kin, you know, those conversations need to be held uh, so that people understand precisely what's happening. And Lorraine, is there a perception as well that if everybody's going to agree on everything, that it's not necessarily going to be a problem um, when actually they don't realise the barriers that are in place, even if there is agreement? Absolutely. I mean, that's the biggest issue is that people just don't understand that people's hands are tied. I mean, essentially most arrangements that you enter into are based on contract and, and that's with the person. And if there isn't an authority in place to act for somebody else, then that authority is no longer there. Um, so it's very, very difficult. And, you know, we have people coming here and they, they're just with the best intentions in the world, absolute best intentions, want to look after the affairs of the person. Um, it would generally probably continue as it always did, but we just can't do that. Our, our hands are totally tied. And it's very difficult for us as well um, to, because we want to obviously to continue to provide that service and, and usually it's, it's ourselves that have to say I'm sorry but um, we're not actually in a position to do that and you'll have to speak to your solicitor and arrange, um, put some formal arrangements in place to allow this to continue but obviously that's much more difficult to do than having an enduring power of attorney in place which you know if you look at the opposite of that what would happen is we can just continue to take instructions, everything still flows, all we need is a copy of the attorney. Um, so and has, has, GDPR, has GDPR made this even harder? Because I know Absolutely. myself, you know, if you're trying to, if you're trying to cancel an account with, a, you know, a, a service provider like electricity or gas, and it's not under the name of the person that the bill is under, there's no way they'll talk to you. So I'm Absolutely. assuming like when it comes to things that are far more difficult like this, GDPR makes it even more difficult. Well, yes, I mean, we have to look at all the legislations that they're including GDPR and 
I mean, that makes things very, very tricky. Everybody has to be very cautious of how we approach things on that basis. Um, you know, nobody wants to be on the wrong arm of the, the DPC and, and getting fined because they gave information that they shouldn't have given. Um, and, you know, the dispute can arise within a family in that regard because one person might think, no, I'm looking after that because mum said it to me at one stage. Um, and then somebody else comes in and says, actually, no, I, I, I'm more suited to looking after that because I work in that area. So you can see, you know, some, you might have a large family, one or two siblings arrive looking to look after affairs, and we're just stuck in the middle there saying, you know, well, what about GDPR? Well, the only way we can we can deal with you now is if you have that enduring power of attorney. So the information flow just stops. We can't discuss anything at all on that, that basis. Okay, well, it's certainly very difficult for any family that ends up in that situation. I suppose if anybody has any more questions, Sean, they can go along to your event on the 20th of April. That's Thursday week. Absolutely. Like, look, it's a a great framework uh, on the night. Like, there are experts there. If you have concerns, you know, it's a night to open the conversation with yourself and your partner or family or whatever to go along and hear what's going on, the complexities and why you need to plan because, you know, it's it's a big issue for families, you know, to uh, pass from one generation to another. And uh, it, the, the better it's planned, the better the outcome. OK, well, thank you very much for joining us on the programme this morning. That's Sean Lavery of the IFA and Lorraine Donoghue, Head of HR and Legal at IFAC. Your views, your news, your Limerick Today with Gillian Devlin in for Jonah.